child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. Just trust me, okay? This is Michael, and tonight we are here with Eric. Hello, sir. How are you? Awesome. And his son, L is what we will call you. Hello, L. Hello, how's it going? Good. All right. So we've already talked to Eric about stuff that he's been struggling with as far as addiction goes. And now you have 11-ish months sober from alcohol, but you have reset your date because you were still smoking in order to do the marijuana maintenance program, as you put it. So first, I want to talk about what your addiction looked like to you in the height of it that got you to where you're at now so when did this journey start how long have you been trying to keep your addiction to alcohol at bay it started last year uh may 31st um so what happened is when i was 19 or my early 20s i was in the program and i was sitting here thinking while we were talking at the at the last session and it's like you know, it's all about me. I wrote down here, like, I'm different. And I'm like, I'm sure all the other alcoholics think that they're different. And that it's because we each have our own individual program. Okay. And for the longest time, I'm just always, I'm different. I even shared it one me. I'm like, you know what? I judge everybody in here on how smart they are. And I give you a rating between 1 and 10. Mm-hmm. And my friends are like, well, what's my number? I'm like, I can't tell you that. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to share that with you. Right. But, um, so, yeah, I had a lot of drinking in, in, in my past. I joined the Navy. And 19 years, I used alcohol to calm my bipolar but i did not know that's why i was using it okay amongst other reasons but you so know. you had not been diagnosed i was diagnosed when i was 20 okay I was, but you didn't realize that's what you were doing to medicate no i did not know enough about bipolar at that time i hated it i did not want to have the label i was anti-label anything you can't label me alcoholic you can't name me bipolar and i fought, gotcha. I fought both of them for 20 years fought them tooth and nail so um Last year, I'd say, let's see, my sobriety is May, so April, May, probably April, what's before, March, April, but sometime in March or April. Okay. Um, my son, you you know, I, I'm a share, and he's probably will too. Like, Logan came out, not necessarily out of the closet, but he said, you know, I'm not heterosexual. I'm trying to figure my stuff out. Okay. And that hit me with a storm that I didn't understand. And so when when he talked like that, did that end up just completely throwing you off balance from where you already were? No, well, I was an alcoholic then, and I wasn't even in a program. I, I was not even thinking of going back to the program. When L was born, it, uh, it was at a point, like, I tried to go into recovery. I, I went to meetings for, like, five days, and my wife is like, we're not going to have any of that. Like, you need to be here. I need your help. Mm-hmm. And this was like, you know, 15 years ago. And so I knew I needed it then because I had been in the programs when I was younger. I was, I was there long enough to know, okay, I'm alcoholic. And I used to make right. jokes, you know, I went to AA to help me to learn how to drink. And, you know, it's not a funny joke, but that's what it was. So about, he tells me, uh, we're sitting in the den and my wife's like, we need to talk about something. And he felt comfortable talking to her, but it was like, we can't tell dad, big, scary dad and when that and how did that make you feel did you feel insecure about the fact that he didn't want to share that with you so i've had plenty of friends in my life that were gay and you know and you're it's all like you know i have that one token gay friend and uh, you know I, i thought i was secure enough in my manhood to be able to handle that and at the time i told him that and i was like man it's totally cool i'm so glad that you feel strong enough to say this we're here with open arms and we're going to support you and then the weekend comes and i have two or three drinks and now i'm in self-pity why is why is my son got to be like this you know 
right what the f how am i gonna deal with this i have no clue self-pity self-pity and it's like a friday i'm working i'm I'm just getting off of work and i fill up a bubba cup with freaking half vodka and half whatever soda you know and that's right i mean how many shots is that? that's like freaking 10 shots probably a and bubba I'm, cup and i'm drinking it and playing video games and then i make another one but the second one you know if i only have two drinks i'll be all right the second one is like 70-80% vodka and okay. some splash or something. Uh-huh. And I'm sitting there drinking and my daughter comes over and she's 12 and she takes the the bubble cup away from me. And I'm already wasted to the point where I'm like, I'm making jokes inside my head and I'm slamming right. my arms on the table. Where's my alcohol? Give me my <laughs> alcohol, motherfucker, motherfucker. And I, You're just and, mad. And I think my son came up and slapped me in my face. Is that right? That no, that was like a day later. That was so, that was so way that, in the future. So what happened at that when I was saying where my alcohol? What happened there? Do you remember? And that was just me and Emmy were in the garage. Well, me and my sister were in the garage and we we're just chilling there, listening to you scream, and we we're both just talking about it. And I wanted to go say something. I wanted to go say something so bad, and I remember. And my sister just says, don't go interact, just stay in the garage. So I'm glad that you're chiming in at this point, and well, rather that you had him chime in at this point, because mm-hmm. to you, how long had you started realizing my dad's not like other dads? My dad's starting to maybe get out of hand more than what I think maybe a person should. Well, I had always just thought I had normal parents until I realized when I was talking to other friends, and they said their parents were, they were, the way they described their parents was so much more different. So more different how? As in, like, they hung out with their parents all the time. They had a good relationship with my parents, and I, at that time, I did not have almost any relationship with my dad. I didn't like talking to him. Because? I didn't, because he would, he would uh, be unreasonable. He was, he was a dick. dick. Yeah. <laughs> Huge dick. <laughs> <laughs> so at that time, though, so... This was, was the alcohol starting to become what was the clear common denominator here? I didn't even know he was drinking. I didn't really understand it at that point. Okay, okay. Until like later. I think this was probably a couple months before the incident that he spoke of already with the Bubba Cups and stuff. Where I open the garage and I see him sitting in a camping chair just chugging beers. And I'm like, what is he doing over there? Yeah. And I just left and then just ignored it and i don't even remember that shit it's just interesting because like for me i don't think i mean if any of my friends parents were alcoholics i certainly don't recall that and my own parents were not drinkers like that like they i guess they kind of waited until later to like really kind of start drinking until after we were my brother and i were like out of the house but we just never like my dad maybe had some beers and then my mom maybe had some wine you know, but it wasn't like the main event, like, oh, it's Saturday. Like, I had a friend actually in my adult life that she was like, well, I got to go talk to my dad. And I was like, why do you have to go right now? It's only like five. Can't you just go there later? And she was like, no, because after five o'clock every drunk. day, he's blacked out. Five o'clock somewhere. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. For real? And she's like, no, I'm not even kidding you. And so it wasn't until later that I realized that that's a thing for some people, you know? And so you didn't really recognize that with him until later because did someone bring that to your attention no i had never thought of i had never even heard of being blackout drunk i had no idea what it was wow so what he's touched on that's really cool is that in today's society kids are different right they talk about things right i ever talk with my friends about their parents no we were outside playing football and kicking soccer ball around and you know shooting bb guns and today's kids are electronic chatting messaging the communication is so much deeper with them 
And with, with that comes the ability to talk to another friend and say, you know, what are your parents like? Or, or just relating like, oh, shit, dude, my mom and dad were freaking fighting last night and beers were thrown. And, and you know, my, my relatives are all over. Everybody's in the camp, camp camping out back. And my, my aunt and my uncle are freaking at each other's throat. And there's always a fight amongst somebody. And I'm hoping it's just not my parents because then I know it'll be my aunt and uncle. So for you, though, did your parents have a good relationship? Were they drinkers? You know what? My parents are nowhere near alcoholics. Well, and that's what I was going to say. You said, you know, you weren't talking about it, but was it because there was nothing to talk about? Like there, you There isn't. Like yeah. like my self-deprecation was I'm in 10th grade. I'm freaking super smart, but I can't hang out with people. Here's right. a, here's a bowl. I will smoke that. Okay, oh, gotcha. I love this. I'm going to be the smartest burnout to graduate. I was fourth in my class out of 220 people when I started smoking weed. Okay. I graduated 19th. I was still in the top 20. I justified it. You know, the weed didn't really do that. It was because I was slacking. But no, in my mind, I could have been top five. Yeah. Well, sometimes that happens to us. So in this moment, we're going to go ahead. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. And the cat's in the cradle and the Just don't understand. Welcome back. So we were just talking about, you know, how different it was for you um, versus your son with him being able to talk to his friends because he clearly saw there was a difference in the way his family was acting versus his friends' families. And I think for you, though, the biggest thing that you hit on was that there wasn't really something to talk to your friends about because your parents weren't like that. And it was basically the same for me. Like, I didn't have to compare notes with my parents, or I'm sorry, with my friends in school with their parents because my parents, I didn't see any problem with them. But you felt the need to start asking. So what point did you start realizing, like, I need to ask, like, I need to talk to whoever. It wasn't really asking; just people in general would just talk about their parents and how in their home life, right? And you're just like, how everything what? went, yeah. And that's when you started realizing, yeah. It. Okay, so how do you feel that it's changed since your dad has taken more of an active attempt at being like, you know what, I'm done drinking. I'm gonna be more active at home, and I'm gonna make a change. He's gotten so much better. I'd say like 500 percent better. He is. We have a. Per, we have. An amazing relationship. You were about to say perfect. I was, but nothing's perfect. Right. So, I mean, that's a huge transformation. (laughs) Because did you used to get to the point where you're like, I don't want to talk to this dude about shit. Exactly. Yeah. And now it's to the point where it's like, I need to go tell tell someone to this, man. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, I got to talk to him. So, how has that made you feel? Do you feel like in school and in life you were feeling one way and now you're starting to feel a little more relaxed? Yeah, I'm feeling a lot better now. It's I have a lot less anxiety and depression than I used to have. It used to be a huge struggle for me, and now it's just, it's like not even there anymore. So what does that make you feel like as a dad who is dealing with addiction? I know that since all of this has happened, another thing that's transpired is now a new thing has come to light, which is you're going to go ahead and separate. And with that, how are you dealing with that and able to maintain where you're at with your sobriety? Man... My son saying that 500% brings a tear to my eye. <laughs> it's beautiful. Even, you don't even know, man. So <laughs> to get back up a little bit, so the Bubba Cup incident, and I think my wife said she thought I was done that weekend, and I don't know if it was the next day or the following weekend. I know I got wasted, and there was a point, I think, lo- that L-L-L, the L slapped me in the face. Right. Yeah, that was 
tell, tell about that because I don't remember. So the you were incident. sitting there playing the video game, and you're sitting there screaming. You're screaming the F slur, and you're saying, "I hate the F slur. I hate gay people and all this." Shit. I hated it. I walked up to you and I said, "Look at me." And he turns the chair and looks at me, and I slap the shit out of him. I swear that chair turned 180 degrees, uh-huh. and then I just walked back upstairs. And you don't even remember this because you were so I, I, I in another the, state. I remember the slap. And I remember sometime within that week, there was some sort of argument. I don't know if it was this or the Bubba Cup. But I, I grabbed my son. I threw him on the couch. And so that I could justify that I was not going to hit him, I grabbed his fist and made him hit himself in the mouth. And I did it like twice, and he started bleeding on his braces. And I left, and I went, and I cried. Right. And I say, I, I was mowing the grass... And it might have been the next day or the next weekend, and I'm outside, and I've had two or three times in my life when I've absolutely asked my higher power, can you just show me a sign? Like, it's not it's not the foxhole prayers, it's really, like, the real deal. Like, I need some help, and I'm sitting there, and I'm crying, and my dad used to always find these four-leaf clovers in the yard. Uh-huh. And I'd bend down, like, if you're really going to help me, God, just help me find a four-leaf clover. And within the next five minutes, I found my first four-leaf clover of my life. <laughs> I called my dad. I tell him about it. I said, I think I'm going to go to an AA meeting. <laughs> and I went, to, I went to a meeting that night. The next morning, I walk into the Monday morning meeting. And there's a, my sponsor sitting over in the left corner, my soon-to-be sponsor. And you know I had some background in the program, so I knew what I had to do. I, I had the a fortunate blessing that this is why I'm different, because I had a 20-year relapse, but I knew what the program was. I didn't walk in there scared. I didn't walk in there not knowing what I was going to get. I walked in there not blazing, yay, I'm an alcoholic, because that's what I like to joke about. Nobody really does that. But I went in there knowing I have to get a sponsor. I have to quit. This dude resonated with me, Navy like I am, very smart. And I asked him after the meeting, he goes, well, I'll be your temporary sponsor. Dick. I'm like, fuck this guy. Temporary sponsor? I'm not good enough to do your And then I'm like, oh, he's saying that so in case I go back out I don't, or I want a different sponsor, I don't have to feel bad. Right. So... You know, we kick it off, and that was just like the the just best part for me. And so from that point on, you know, just working my program, you know, my son, he starts dabbling in the marijuana a little bit. He's sneaking out of the house at night. Right. You know, and his grades are dropping, and he's getting reamed at home for being an idiot and doing this dumbass shit. And why are you doing this? And why are you doing this? And it's like, well, of course you're doing it. Your freaking dad does that shit. Right, exactly. You know, like your, your, your kid's just learn and manipulate your behaviors without even knowing it because it just happens and then dad gets an epiphany and is about two three months in sobriety and we start having conversations because i noticed we're so drifted right and i'm like you know what your brain is like mine right i'm bipolar you might not have that he's diagnosed adhd when he was five he's been on off and on some meds for that correct and i have to tell him the whole truth nothing but the truth absolutely this is my background you need to know. I'm not. You can, you don't need to wait till you're 20. You don't need to wait till you're freaking on the streets or you're freaking a bum. And then I'm like, hey, right. guess what? This is what's in our blood. No, this is the family. This is what we got. Okay, you need to man up. You need to learn that it's going to be important for you. You can see all the shit that I've gone through. You don't have to hit the bottom that's so low that I had and realize that there's you know a better way. And he hit his lows. You know, everybody's bottom in their basement is different. It's at a different level of the tower right, of absolutely. addiction. And he decided at that moment, I don't need that. We started having spiritual conversations. I told him all this stuff about me. 
and we start getting closer and closer and we're at that 500 percent mark man it's like we have such spiritual conversations my son's in nordic mythology we go make an offering to odin and pour out the last two beers from my garage and meditate we're at the na picnic the other day and i'm doing tarot card readings and I, i'm i'm like drained but i didn't know it and i'm like i need to go get something to eat and my son's like dad i gotta show you something he walks me down this path and the bottom of the path is this big flowery bush and he's like this is what i told you to wait for and we sit there and we i lay, laid back in the bush and i meditate he's like you need to recharge your energy dad and my son knows that like come on dude this dude's 15 and i'm learning so much from him and it's just like the wisdom is being passed on the the age of your soul i swear your soul's older than mine like the stuff i get from you I man, you it. flatter me. <laughs> You're the shit, man. I mean, you know where you came from. So with that in I mind, came from your what balls, I man. <laughs> <laughs> he says I'm not allowed to say it anymore, but that's, no. that's okay you came though. From my balls, I man. Swear. I told I told my sister this the other day. I'm like, he has always said that saying. He said that forever, and I'm like, there's gonna be one specific time where I'm gonna bring it back on, and he's gonna be like, holy shit, you just said that. <laughs> and I think now was the, was the time that I now's as good a time that. as any. Um, so what I wanted to ask you, L, was. Okay, so being that your dad just touched on the fact that you started to get into the practice of self-medicating by him, like, seeing what I guess he was doing, is that what kind of led you down that path? Was that he, you knew that he was doing that and you were like, well, why not? Or how did you end up coming to that? I, had, I used to be friends with a lot of bad people and they started bringing me this hangout place, and there was always people there with weed and shit, and everyone was just sharing it and stuff. I decided to try it out, and I got so stoned the first time I did it. Well, go figure, you're 15. Yeah, but I took like <laughs> I took like 10 huge bong rips, and I'm like, holy shit, what am I doing? <laughs> oh my God. And, right. and like, they're like, dude, you need to stop right like, now. Like, slow down. Addiction station. Yeah. I know, it was... Just pulled And that's in. my first time. Well, and did you get like to crap. a did you get to a point where you realized, oh my gosh, like this is just too much? Uh, what am I doing? I got I was so anxious at the end of it. I'm like, holy shit! I'm gonna get home. My eyes are gonna be so red. My parents are gonna find out and stuff. I'm asking everybody. I'm like, am I gonna be okay? Am I gonna be okay? Am I gonna pass out and not wake up for right like, 24 hours or some shit? Right. So, how long were you doing this before they approached you or your dad approached you or whoever about you need to stop? How long was I doing, what, the pot smoking? Yeah, smoking. I, I was doing it for about a month before they figured it out. Okay. It was, I'd probably say like twice a week. Every day I was going down to this play, hangout spot with a bunch of other people. The rope swing? Yeah, that's what we called it. So when you got approached, how did you react? You're like, yeah, and you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, did you automatically admit it, or were you like, no, that's not true? With the... With, with smoking. When we caught, what do you mean? When we caught you, what was your reaction? I was so pissed. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, and I didn't even get caught. What happened was my friend goes, he gets caught because his mom checks his text message, and then his mom tells my mom, and I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, you're kidding me. Yep. <laughs> At least I could have been stoned when I got busted. Right. Exactly. So you eventually stopped. Is that correct? Yeah. And you stopped hanging out with those people. I did. So how long has it been, and what inspired you to maintain that? Because a lot of kids, they'll go ahead and start you know, doing that, then they might stop, but they're going to go back. Like You seem like now you have a solid relationship with your dad. Yeah. What's keeping you there? Yeah, during the time I was I was smoking pot, it was back like before I started forgiving my dad. This was like a month after the Bubba Cup incident. And I'm just... 
And then after I finally got a better relationship with him, I realized I'm like, he's becoming sober. Maybe I should start becoming sober too. And I started, I just stopped. I decided to stop and I decided to go along with him on a journey of being sober. That's amazing. How does that make you feel? Awesome. I'm so glad you're on this journey with me. And I think it's really cool that he's able to... My son has self-actualization that is beyond my belief and understanding. This kid is the Google search whiz. He has so much information. I talk about stuff I want to do. He's, he's like, Dad, uh, they have that on YouTube. You don't have to go pay $5,000 at the community college. Like You can take it like right there uh, right. on the computer. <laughs> so, yeah, he made this decision, and he came up and told me, he's like, I'm not hanging out with those friends anymore. I'm like, what? Really? Like, I would have hung out with them friends for five more years if my parents told me not to do it. So I was trying not to tell them not to do it, but I wanted to tell them not to do it. Because I, when I grew up, I remember my parents said something like, uh, whatever drug you're going to do, believe me, we've done it. Well, that was a goal. Fuck, I can find a drug they haven't done, I'm sure. <laughs> and I didn't want to do that to my son. I, you know, I, I, I learned from that. So it's, it's really awesome that we're on this journey together. I've never even thought of it as a journey of sobriety for him. And Absolutely. It's, 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 a, it's a spiritual journey, you know. The, the thing that gets us in our bottom, you know, you, I, I believe my higher power is the everything. It's the universe, now, mm-hmm. before, after, and the combination of all that ever exists. But for my ma- mind to understand stuff, I have to know what the opposite is. And so the opposite of everything is nothing. Nothing doesn't exist. It's not even something that's obtainable. But just knowing what nothing is helps me understand what everything is. And knowing what bottom blackness of addiction is helps me understand what the light is and the path of spirituality. Well, on that note, we're going to go ahead and take a break, and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Welcome back. So we're talking about how now you both are stopped. You're not smoking weed. You're not drinking. You know, those those paths kind of got there. You, you both reached that conclusion in your own ways. And now you're fully supportive of one another. So that leads to what I had brought up in the last segment. So now you have a different <laughs> obstacle that you're overcoming. And you're having to face a lot of adversity because of that. So now that you're of clear mind, soundness, uh, a good leveled out area in your being, you have found that you want to go ahead and separate. And now you're starting to face adverse reaction to that. So how are you able to stay balanced? I'll tell you, my son helps me out a lot. And there's been times when I lean on him and my wife has told me that I can't lean on him. I'm not allowed He's not strong enough for it. Oh, like he can't take it or something like that. Sometimes metaphorically, sometimes physically. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. That is true. But it's, um, you know, saying that I can't put my problems on him, she doesn't understand the relationship we have. She doesn't have the same relationship with him. She doesn't know we've sat down in the living room until 12 or 1 in the morning talking about my path. Right. So we're at a level of two people on this planet that 
I don't know what you feel, but I, I've never been this close to anybody in my life, someone I can share anything with. And I want, I've been so truthful with him. And when we talk to each other, it's like we speak the truth. That's all we do, what our truth is. And so the question at hand about the separation, it's so difficult. And it's like I'm trying my hardest not to go behind my wife's back and dog her out. And I, I'm telling my kids, I said, I'm not going to dog your mom out. I will not. Because she's still their mom. Yeah, I will tell you the truth. But if she's dogging me out, tell her to stop. You're free to let me know. And they're like, tell me all these things, like what she's always saying, the manipulation. I'm learning a lot about codependency. Okay. I'm learning a lot about maybe my wife has a drinking problem as well. But, you know, I, I can't judge her, but I know that she's getting drunk three or four times a week. We go out on a Tuesday night, and she says, I only had two drinks, but I counted five. And my son is telling her, you're different when you drink, Mom. He's telling her directly in the hallway, and she's making up excuses. It's okay. I'm allowed to have a couple drinks. I'm not the alcoholic that's bipolar crazy. Your father is. Right. And, and this when you're hearing when you're hearing months. statements like this, L, what do you think? Well, it, it really makes me mad because it's like she – I know she doesn't understand, but I also know that she's in a terrible place right now because she's, she's drunk. Right. But – about oh the thing that I said I learned that from doing my YouTube research, and it brings me back to that where this really which, smart which guy part? on YouTube, the part where you said um I inst- I I told her that I don't like her when she's drunk because I heard that instead of because a way I heard a lot of people go about it is they say you're you have a problem you have an addiction you need to stop but that's doing it in that way is it's going to come off of, as me and they're going to say fuck no well, like we I don't want to earlier, listen to you you can't tell an alcoholic what to do absolutely exactly. not so you have to make suggestions or let them know how right. you feel so we, it's like we, yeah we talking about so it's tell, like telling our truth so it's you say I don't like when you when you're drunk you're a totally different person I don't know you when you're drunk i like sober you and the way you've reached this resolve is through doing research online because you're trying to figure out how to diffuse the situation in a healthy way yeah i'm i'm pretty sure my dad has brought this up at some point but it's gaining wisdom there's many ways to gain wisdom but the just the more you gain the more you can use in any situation there's wisdom that you can use for any situation the more you have the better outcome you can have in different situations Right. So he tells me when we're fighting, we uh, what happens is nine out of ten times, my wife goes through the house in a shit storm of this is out of place, this is out of place, why aren't you doing this, why aren't you doing this, why aren't you doing this? So what does dad do? L, where are you fucking at? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? You need to get down here because this is your chore that you're supposed to do that I don't give a fuck if you do it now or an hour from now, but you know your mom does, so you need to fucking come do it. And I'm lashing out at him. He tells me one day, Dad, do you understand... When you and mom fight, I take the blunt of all your negativity. Right. It comes to me. You wonder how hard it is for me to get rid of that? You wonder why I go in my room and I cry and I lay in bed for three hours? I have to meditate so hard to get rid of the negative energy that I'm absorbing from you guys, and I can take it only so much. Right. And that like has an epiphany for me that like I need to do something. I need to change something. The insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, and I just keep expecting something to change with us. When I say us, my relationship... And it just hasn't. And I made an analogy in, in my therapy session. My wife and I have been doing therapy for like four months, six months, online Zoom, once or twice a month. Mm-hmm. And I was really felt bad because I'm like, I'm on a spiritual train and it's in the station and she's not hopping on. And I'm leaving you behind and I don't want to. I want to keep telling the train, slow down, slow down so she can hop on. <laughs> it's so hard because she goes to her first Al-Anon meeting last night for the first time. Like she went to one before COVID, during COVID last year. She's doing some Zoom. It's so difficult. 
And the same night she goes to that is the same night we're waiting outside to serve a protective order against her. Right. Because the night before we were all up till four in the morning. So, well, then it was just horrible. Well, the next thing to point out too is your son here wouldn't even be coming to you. Number one, if it wasn't for the fact that you have turned a corner and are on this new path, so that has definitely made it to where the most important thing can happen, which is communication. You know, he's able to tell you this as opposed to just going and crying in his room or lashing out or whatever. And that is definitely important the communication. But I guess the next question is. So where do you go from here to have a healthy outcome? And what are you going to do to ensure that you're able to keep yourself and your sobriety safe? So they say in the rooms, whatever you put before your sobriety is the first thing you will lose. Okay. I've been putting my relationship before my sobriety, and it seems like right now it's the first thing I'm going to lose. But it's... It's weird because last year it was all the pursuit of happiness. Everything I was doing during my manic phase was because I wanted to be happy. Right. I'm doing this because I'm seeking happiness. I want to grab some happiness, and this shit makes me happy, and this shit makes me happy, and I don't care if it destroys everybody fucking around me. Don't you know I'm sober, and I'm trying to be happy? And then someone said, dude, right. happiness is not something that you could obtain. You can't grab it. You can't find it. Happiness is a result from doing good deeds, right. from your actions. It's a, it's a byproduct of positive actions and once i learned that i'm like dude what positive actions can i do and i start putting things into motion in my life and like i said the train's running away if you don't want to hop on i'm sorry like i have to make me the best and right now we're talking about separation whether i'm going to leave the house or she is or or you know she won't do that and so it keeps telling me to leave and my family's like it's just material shit dude like i want to fight over how much money i'm gonna get from the house what is right now the fight is what child support is gonna be and oh, who's gonna get more time and you know, family members on her side are all butting in and telling me how much of a jerk I am because I want to get max time of the kids. And I go to my kids with an honest truth. I'm like, what do you guys want? We want to be with you as much as possible, Dad. I'm like, well, when we go to court, you're going to have to sit there in a room all by yourself with an appointed attorney. You're going to have to tell them your truth. You can't sit here and tell me one thing because you want to tell me what I want to hear. You need to tell me your truth because I'm going to say it. I'm going to tell it to your mom. And you need to tell her. Yeah, we're scared of her. We don't know what she's going to do. Is she going to hit you? Is she going to come in here and freaking drag us around, slam our doors, break shit? We have no clue. Right. And so I'm like, okay, you have to be able to stand up for this because this point forward, the game is on. I'm going, I have to go to the magistrate. Right. You know, I have to go in there and get a protective order and get it on record because otherwise what's going on is not going to happen. And the hardest part is you can't get a protective order for emotional abuse. They say... They say family abuse, and I'm really trying to find the definition. I'm searching online all over the place. Like, where does it say emotional abuse qualifies as family abuse? Because that would be her breaking the protective order. But it's still happening. How does the manipulation happen in my home? Things get bad. She doesn't like what she wants. She starts doing what? She, she cries. She, come, uh, she comes to us, and she starts crying. There's, whenever Dad's doing something, he's, it's not even harmful. He'll just be hanging out in his room playing music. And Mom will come to us and crying, telling us to go tell him to stop. She... We were, we had to, I had to go in my sister's room because my door doesn't have a lock on it. And hers does. So we right. have to lock the door. And my mom is just standing at the door crying to try and get us to come out to try and uh, manipulate us. It's an abusive tactic. She's trying to cry to make us feel bad so that she can get what she wants to out feel of the situation. Guilt. Right, to feel guilt. So the, the last question I have before we close out this episode is going to be, to you, Eric, which is, how do you know for sure, and how did you reach the resolve that this is definitely 
what you're supposed to be doing as opposed to just taking the easy way out? Talking to people. Okay. My mentors in the program, I have what I call four or five sponsors right now. I haven't gone up to all of them and said, hey, will you be my sponsor? Because I don't have to put a label on it. I don't. Right. It's mentors. It's people that are there for me. I lean on them. I get advice. I talk to other people that have had divorce. I talk to other people that have worked it out and not gone through divorce. And it's like I said before with the freaking marijuana thing. I get all these suggestions and I'm on the fence. And which side of the fence do I want to fall on? And I'm not right now saying I'm going to get divorced. We're in the middle of coming up with a separation agreement that has a chance for reconciliation. I like that you're saying that. So the door is open. It's just right now this is what's best for this moment. What happens next is still uncertain, correct? Yeah, and my favorite poem is uh, The Path Not Taken by Robert Frost. And I'm Absolutely. doing some research about it. And it's, it's so misused so often that people are like, oh, yep. you took the right path and that's why you're now valedictorian. But what he did is he wrote it as a joke to his friend. Because his friend would come up to a path and he would sit there in the moment forever not making a choice. And what he said was, you know what, the enjoyment is not which choice you make, but it's in the enjoyment of discovering what what choice to make. Sitting there in the moment, taking as much information that you can take, and then making a decision. And I've been at that fork for so long, and I'm, it's fear. It's fear been, it's and... It's the fear of not knowing what would happen it's if, exhausting. if I try to leave. Right, absolutely. Not, not having a clue. But I'm also in the spot right now, I finally realize that I'm afraid of not knowing what will happen if I stay. Absolutely. Well, I really appreciate you guys both being very candid in this, and I want everyone out there to remember to just trust me, okay? Have a good night. Happy, Thanks. happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, joy, joy. Happy, happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, joy, joy. Happy, happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, joy, joy. Happy, happy, joy, joy.